Hey everybody, welcome back to the NutriZone podcast. I'm Max Miller alongside Paul De Los Santos. Look, this is we, we missed last week, Paul, but family events, you know, they take over, you know, family first over everything. New York Jets run a bye week, made it easy for us to record today here on Monday the 23rd. But hey, that means we're also further into the NHL season and um our teams are at polar opposites of the spectrum right now. Oh yeah, my we team are. Is the last we, my team is last win this team and your team is well undefeated in the reigning champs. How you been, Paul? And how's it covering the best team in the league right now? I don't know if they're the best team in the league, but I mean it's 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 good. I mean, it's it, there's a lot of excitement around a team that kind of is always there, but it seems like there's a buzz this year, especially since they're the first Stanley Cup champions to start 6 and 0. Um whether or not they're the best team, they're playing really well. I mean, I can't can't say that they're not playing well, but it's scary that to think that they're going to find another gear later on this season, especially when they find their game and get their puck management. And the special teams is looking really good right now, which is odd to say for a Vegas team. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously, you know, Petrangelo, who looks to be close to returning. Uh, no injuries yet for Vegas. We'll see how that, that continues. There. That seems to be their bugaboo. But look, I mean, the Sharks stink. Um <laughs> They they are 0-4-1. Uh, that one is because Mackenzie Blackwood stopped 50 of 51 against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, and he gave up the tying goal with 50 seconds left to Kale McCarr. And, uh, I mean, look, the guy was outstanding. And he has been, despite the goals against average. He had an okay game against Nashville. Not his greatest. Um, but overall, he's been playing really well. The Sharks are searching for offense. It's a struggle bus right now. Couture is still injured. Mikhail Granlin was thought to be close to returning, but it sounds like he may have had a setback at practice today. Obviously, I am not in. I am not in Nashville. I am. I am still in in San Jose, California, bringing you guys as best uh, best coverage as I can as possible. Uh, but look, Paul, I don't know from what you've seen from the Sharks. I know you and I like to follow each other's teams closely, but just I mean, I'll I'll give my explanation. But I want to know from somebody who's not covering the team full time, like what. What is like, do you feel like, what is your opinion of the Sharks? And do you know what people are saying about the Sharks? Like, what's going on? You know, it's funny because the Sharks have been competitive, which is what we said. You know, I think I saw the Boston game, which was they they played really okay. They they got better as the game progressed. It's just, they're a young team and it shows in like really long stretches. And that's the thing is that when you're a young team, it's going to show in stretches. And that's the problem right now. And if you're, if you're the Sharks, it's just... When you're trying to figure out your roles and, you know, trying to figure out who's going to do what and, you know, you're all, you're all, you got a bunch of young players trying to set their, set their, kind of make their mark on the league. Yeah. I think that's the really big thing. Like you compare that to Vegas, everyone knows their role. Everyone knows what they're doing. I mean, the only one I feel who might know his role and that's Anthony Duclair, who's been in the league for seemingly forever. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Duclair and Hurdle know their roles. Look, Fabian Zetterlin has played well, but like even then, like they can't quite seem to, you know, the Sharks stalwart in usual, like in in what they do is uh, the penalty kill. And uh, as I pull up the special team stats to, you know, for the season so far, uh, which I will need just a moment. I'm I'm looking at, I've got all this new information that I found that I'll tell you and I'll, I'll show you stuff like that. But here, when I get to the penalty kill stats, I mean, the Sharks right now, are ranked 22nd in penalty kill percentage at a 78.6. They've given up, uh, you know, three power play goals on 14 attempts. Look, they, they, 
Oh, sorry. That's at home. I apologize on the road. So they're sorry. They're 73.7%. They've given up five power play goals on tw- on 19 attempts. So still 22nd. I got the ranking correct. But look, that, that's something they've struggled with. They're they're toying with who's going to be on the kill, whether it's Phillips, Zadina, Duclair, Hurdle. They're missing Kachur and Granlin, who would be on the penalty kill right now. So like in terms of knowing the rule, like there's a little bit of that, but there also just seems to be a bunch of juggling going on and they can't get into a rhythm. And then the setbacks with Granlin and Couture had a setback. They wished, I think they wished he was hoping he was back before this five game roadie. And it's, you know, the sharks just kind of are in shambles and, and, and the whole benching with Vlasic and, you know, it's been a pretty negative slate, but when you take a look back today, it's something I posted about the prospects. Like, Will Smith is being successful. Casper Haltonen has nine goals in 11 games in juniors. Quentin Musty is starting to get going in juniors after his late start there because of the injury in camp. Like, this season, they have been competitive, like you and I have agreed, Paul. But, like, there's stretches of anywhere from three to seven-minute times where they just – they look like they they don't know how to play hockey, like, to put it honestly. Like, it's brutal. Yeah, it seems it seems to be that way, but that's the thing is that if you walked in thinking San Jose wasn't going to be this way, you're you're kind of fooling yourself a little bit because they are, and and here's the thing is that like Bruce Cassidy likes to juggle his lines in games, but he'll go back to them like the next game. I feel that the consistency and once again trying to find what works is is really a big deal in San Jose. I think they're yeah. trying to find what works for them. I think once they do, they'll. They'll surprise some teams. I think they can win some games. I think they're I like I said, they're I joke that they're gonna go oh ten oh oh and ten, but they might. Know, they might, but I think they might get one on this road. I mean, they might surprise they, hockey's a weird sport. Like they'll randomly yeah. get they'll randomly get another point down the road. I don't think that like I joke, I think I told you. I th- I think I bet on them one time this week. <laughs> yeah. Because the odds will be good. But I mean, I I I think they're gonna pick up at least two points on this roadie. We love hearing two points on this roadie. Look, you know, uh, you look at the way they started their schedule. They became the first team in NHL history to face the last season's division winners in their first four games. Uh, and they, in Vegas, Colorado, the Carolina, Boston, just toss them into the fire. And their best game was against Boston. Looked like they finally got a little bit of offensive zone structure. Uh, not enough, but some there. Obviously, offense has been the issue. They've scored one goal in every game except for against Carolina, where they scored three. Um, but that was arguably their worst game of the season um nashville is up there you know they had moments where they were better they looked okay um in terms of uh offense and and how they play but look you look at the schedule in the remaining road trip the last four games they take on florida tomorrow in the nhl craziness day which i know you have some info for us on that Mm -hmm. uh tampa and then carolina the day after and then they finish up in washington so i think if you're going to get a game uh, either a win or a point. I think it's against either Tampa or Washington just because Tampa hasn't been playing the greatest and their goaltending has been iffy and the Sharks goaltending has been one thing that they don't have to worry about. And there were Washington who has started off slowly, but you know, for a fact, you know, for a fact, Ovechkin's going to get going against the Sharks. Like it's, oh, it's inevitable. Oh yeah. It's inevitable. And he's probably going to end up scoring a couple goals, but I think, you know, truthfully, I think if you're going to pick one up, it's going to probably be in Florida. I think it's, it's going to be tomorrow. And frozen frenzy. Um, I think the I just think that Florida is in this I don't know what to expect from them. They they sometimes yeah. show up and and truthfully if 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 San Jose can get a little offense, regardless where it comes from, if they can get Yeah, doesn't three, matter where. Doesn't matter where. Three goals, I think that's enough given how your goaltending is played. Yeah, the goaltending's played well. My my biggest issue is the defense has looked 
brutal. And that's not just the defenseman. It's just as a whole. Like, they're just getting so hemmed in. Sometimes they're soft on pucks. Talking with Drew Amenda at practice, you know, the last few weeks and talking about what we see and and, and stuff like that. He, you know, he just feels like they're soft on pucks. And David Quinn reiterates that. You know, I think the structure defensively is getting there. I just don't think they're going to have the talent to, to make it exactly how David Quinn wants. Um, and then you touched on it, consistency. I mean, look, there's been a lot of moving pieces. Uh, Vlasic was, I think he's going to get healthy scratch tomorrow. Uh, which is probably not the worst thing in the world. Uh, Ty Emerson's in. Look, it, it's, there's going to be a lot of moving pieces this year, and I think that's going to bite the Sharks in the butt. Um, but it also could help them. Um, I think they're looking for some consistent play out of some guys rather than roles. Um, I think I think you need to try everybody in almost every role because this team is in such a situation where you have guys like you mentioned, like Anthony Duclair or Tomas Hurdle, who have their set roles. And when Couture comes back, it'll be he'll there too. And other than those three, that's kind of it for roles. Like, you know, if you find a spot that works, stick with it, run with it. And the Sharks haven't found any of those spots yet. Yeah, and just and that that comes to being young. I think everyone's still trying to discover what they do well. I think um that was a big thing with a lot of the Vegas young guys when it came to like Paul Cotter. Like I yeah. think he he had to find his role. Once he discovered it, he's playing a lot more comfortably in his role, knowing that he's a left winger on a Vegas team that loves their physical left wingers. Yeah. And thing about the Sharks that I feel is going to be a benefit down the road is once these players do figure it out, once they figure out what they do well and what and how they mesh together, I think that's the big one is the chemistry is not there because no. it's either it's either inconsistency, like changing the line. I think I think you got to find something that will work and stick with it. And once they find it, I think they'll be a lot, they'll be a lot better. I think, I think they're going through the early season struggles. I think like some teams start slow. I think I, even though they we're expecting them to be bad, I just don't think that, I just think they're going to be better than what I think they're still going to be last, but I think they're going to be, yeah. they're still going to be com- like we said, competitive. And I think they're going to get better as the season progresses. And I think part of it is like, who would they piss off from the schedule making? Like, yeah, w- what a horrific, st- like this team was not expected to do well, but like, don't give them any favors. Let's start them against the reigning champs, the champs from the year before cup favorites. And then a team that had the best regular season last year, then let's like, give them a break and in Nashville who is playing well and has arguably a top three goaltender in the league and then go back and play Tampa, Florida, Carolina, mm-hmm. and then, and then a veteran team like Washington. It's like you, you, before you come home and you play Vancouver, who's played well, like there's just no breaks in this schedule for the Sharks. And, and it's not to say that there are bad teams in the NHL that they can get a break on. Like, I'm not saying like, even if Chicago, like Chicago's looked okay. And, and you know, a lot like the Sharks, if they get a hot goaltender, they'll, they'll, they'll snag one from you. The Sharks just, mm-hmm haven't been able to get that offense. They don't have a game-breaking offensive player like Chicago does in like Connor Bedard or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, now, obviously, injuries and stuff will have something to do with it. But like the Sharks, like you have to give them a little bit of slack because of the schedule. Oh, the schedule is brutal. I mean, Vegas got lucky with their schedule. I would say they got lucky. They got three teams that they play really well against. Seattle, matchup hell for them. They don't play well against Vegas' physicality. Yep. And then they had Anaheim and San Jose, and then they right. – I mean, the toughest game in there was was the Dallas Stars, and that went to overtime. Yeah, and, and so, Dallas is a cup contender. Yeah, and Dallas is a cup contender. So Vegas, Vegas, like on the opposite end of that, Vegas got a very favorable schedule to start, and Los Angeles got a brutal schedule to start. So I think that kind of has rigged. Confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> um, I just I like 
it's weird for me to say this, but tomorrow is going to be interesting, especially with uh, how Vegas plays against Philadelphia, who is in first place, surprisingly. Yeah, they're playing terrific. Oh, yeah. Torch has got them going, and Vegas will be in for uh, will be in for something tomorrow. And then, then just you know, they end up um, – they also have Colorado next week, and they, they the schedule picks up for Vegas, and – and they play Connor Bedard on Friday, so and you know Bedard's gonna want to come and kind of get a little bit of revenge from losing in in Chicago in his first home game. So yeah. there's gonna be the schedule gets tougher for Vegas, and they haven't gone on a true road trip yet. The last one was their first two road games, like true road games, going to Winnipeg and Chicago, but they haven't had a true road trip yet. And you know Vegas schedule, like last year, Vegas schedule was really nice. I think this year's schedule is nicer for them. Yeah. For sure. I mean, scheduling is, is a big part of it. Obviously, no hangover for them. But look, we're, we keep mentioning tomorrow and tomorrow, the frozen frenzy. Like, I'm excited. I know you were in uh, a lot of the media meetings with uh, the NHL and and uh, ESPN and TNT, I believe, right before the season started. I know you, you do some work with NHL.com as well. Look, I, I'm just excited for the red zone, NFL mm-hmm. red zone themed stuff tomorrow. What, like... Is what information can you tell us whether it's basic or not? Because I know you have a little bit more of a grasp on that than I do. Because I'm just sitting back. I'm like, I can't wait to watch as a fan for 45 minutes or for an hour and 45 minutes before I have to watch the Sharks. To which I will then be putting the Sharks on the TV and Red Zone hockey on my computer. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an interesting concept because what they're doing is they staggered every NHL start, so they're five Finally. minutes later from each other. So Vegas will cap it off at eight oh. Eight, they say eight eight o'clock, but I think it's gonna be close to eight five, eight o eight fifteen. The usual stand, yeah. you know, call the anthem and mm-hmm. whole thing. Yeah, but um, I think they're staggering the starts. I think that helps. The red zone is gonna be power plays, uh, offensive attacks, and okay. just anything. They're gonna be bouncing around. It's gonna be ADD television, and it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be amazing to see how they produce this because the producers are pro- i i want to be if i if, I, if there was one area i want to really see it's how they produce this show yeah because for it's sure. going to be it's already hard enough to track hockey right now when you're trying to do the nfl red zone type of situation yeah uh, i mean are they going to show every goal or <laughs> i mean what right is it every goal which you know every touchdown every goal could add up to a similar amount if mm-hmm. not a little bit more on the hockey side but like you talking about you know offensive attacks let's say everything's five and five. okay oh like, you can't be like, all right, they're inside the 20. Let's go to mm-hmm. them and watch their five plays. Like, sometimes they could be in the zone, and as soon as you cut out, the defense could chip it out. Power mm-hmm. plays and, and penalty kills, that makes sense. And, like, I'm sure empty nets, if that's a situation. Mm-hmm. But, like, what happens if a game goes into overtime? Like, are you, are you going to cut away from a game in overtime to go show us a goal in a in a 2-1 game with 10 minutes left in the third? Like, I don't – like, it's going to be really interesting to see how they set up, but I'm super, super excited. Triple box, everything. Uh, <laughs> Give me an Octobox. Scott Hansen would be proud. An Octobox. An Octobox. Yes, the Octobox is what I need. Uh, you know, every every Sunday I text my my uh, my buddy, and every time there's an Octobox, we go nuts. It's our favorite thing when they started doing it. Yeah. If they ever don't do an Octobox. I like now this past Sunday they did, since there was se- uh, six early games, 10 a.m. games here on the mm-hmm. West Coast. They did one on Scott Hansen, and the other blank spot was the control room, which I thought was really cool. And looking at that control, I mean, there's screens everywhere, and I think we'll see something similar with the NH. I mean, that's... Is there anything like, are you going to watch, obviously you're going to watch Vegas when they play, but you get every game before that. Is there like one thing you're looking to watch for in that red zone? Like, are you going to try and watch that? Or are you going to try and pick a game or two and watch those? I think I'm going to watch it all. I mean, I'm going to watch the, I want to I'm really interested in how they produce this. Like I mentioned yeah. before, because 
you know, having watched production values and everything else, it's it's in it's crazy sometimes. Like like having to bounce between like just if you if you've ever been in a production truck, you know it's already hectic as it is. Yeah, I can only imagine how much more hectic it's going to be when it comes to having like 10, 20 games, like twenty situations that can pop up and when you jump and you know the producer for that. Has to be an experienced producer. You can't be. A, I can't imagine it being a new producer doing this. <laughs> no, God, no. And if it might have been a new person who thought of this idea, that should have been thought of long before. And I don't think we're going to see one producer doing this. I think we're no. going to see like like one per game. So there's 16 games. I think we're going to get 16 different producers mm-hmm. and another 16 people watching those games. Uh, and then they'll say, "Go." It's going to be wild. It's going to be so much. I, like, let's see. You know, I'm interested to see what the ratings are. I think they're doing a good job, you know, publicizing about it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the MLB playoffs are going on, and at this moment, recording the D-backs were winning last I checked. So maybe they'll have to deal with a with a baseball game seven, but we'll see. Um, I don't think that's going to affect too too much. I, I really don't. Um, I don't think the crossover think, is that big. No, and I think that if there's a game seven, it's probably at five o'clock, six o'clock in the evening Pacific time. So you know, towards the end of the the red zone feature, because obviously the ESPN is going to have the two, the three, you know, triple headers whatnot so it's going to be interesting to see but let's let's reel it back in here let's let's look at the pacific division as a whole now you know if we get if we look at the standings um as i pull them up here nhl standings uh there's been some surprises obviously within the uh division obviously the expectation was the oilers would run away with things they've started off slowly and the canucks have been good but you know one thing i noticed right away when i look at the standings is Everybody except for the Golden Knights, the Canucks, and the Kings have a negative goal differential of of four or more. And that's pretty telling because his Ducks at four, Flames and Oilers with minus seven, Kraken with minus 10, and the Sharks with minus 13. Like that's that's pretty telling to how the defense is going to start the year. Oh, yeah. And then the big thing, the, the big thing that stood out to me already about the early season is that the Pacific Division – I would say is probably one of the weaker ones, especially near the bottom. Yeah, I mean, out of the out of the four divisions, I think they're the weakest. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Um, which means, like, that's why that's why when we voted earlier this year for who we predicted for the president's trophy, I know that's a curse, <laughs> but I voted for Vegas just because they play so many teams on the bottom. They play eight games against between between the two teams between San Jose and Anaheim to play eight and they play four against the Kraken. So they should win two or three against the Kraken you, you match, expect, yeah. out of just, you, out of just matchups and then Kings, they'll split and then Calgary split. So you're just looking at a lot of points being accumulated there. So that's why I would not have thinking when I said Vegas was going to president show, even though I don't think anyone in Vegas wants that thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when it comes to it, the Pacific Division, I mean, the Edmonton Oilers have really started off slow, and I just don't, I just don't know if they're, they're if they're yeah. if their defensive structure is the issue. I don't know if it's just the fact that they can't score. They're scoring too like they they the goal the goaltending is not good enough. I mean, I, it's, it's the it's, same. It's, it's the same Edmonton Oilers for mm-hmm. usual every year. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's just and now they're without Connor McDavid for two weeks. Yep. Two weeks, maybe. I think it's only going to be like a one-week thing. I mm-hmm. really do. So I think he's going to want to play in the Heritage Classic. So I think that's kind of his goal to get back, but we'll see. But yeah, I, I agree with you. And I mean, you look at the Western Conference as a whole, right? The Jets, they should be okay, but the Hawks are going to be bad. The Blues are going to be not great. Mm-hmm. Predators are going to be, you know, mid 
predator yeah the, yeah the coyotes are going to be okay but then you look at the, the structure of the eastern conference right like i look at the atlantic division and the canadians right now is the only team where i'm like ah, eh, they're you know i don't know about them mm-hmm. and then you look at the met like washington's been not great pittsburgh has been inconsistent and then the flyers have been surprisingly good i don't think that holds but the rest of that like the entire division except for like four or five teams or conference except for like four or five teams is incredibly hard to win so i even think like somebody like colorado or dallas could win the president's trophy mm-hmm. because of how often they're going to play western conference teams well the thing about even about the capitals and the penguins is that they're still tough house they're harder than uh anaheim san jose oh 100 and that's the thing is that and we joked about this last year when the Golden Knights were when I got past Edmonton and we said they're making it to the cup. They're gonna beat Dallas because they they just Dallas can't win in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um and you only have to beat one Eastern Conference team and they were fortunate that it was Florida and they got home ice. Even and more. all the injury bugs with Florida all the, too. Yeah, so all they the definitely injury. played a role. Oh yeah, definitely played a role. But the fact that the Western Conference only has to beat one Eastern Conference team. Yeah. They only have to beat one team to beat to win the cup and and I like I think the Eastern Conference is so brutal that they just it, beat each other up. Yeah, and that whoever comes out of the West is going to really I think like everyone thinks that Carolina's going to win. I don't think I think the team I think the Stanley Cup champions will come from the West again just because the East just beats each other to a pulp and the style of play too. Yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Like it's crazy to know the differentiating styles of play. Like. It's almost like in the right West Coast offense. Right? Mm-hmm. There's West Coast Western Conference play style, and then there's Eastern Conference play style. Now we see it sneak in a little bit to like some of the more centralized teams, like Nashville or or uh, Winnipeg in the in the Atlantic division, or sorry, in the Central Division. But still, like you look at the way the Rangers are playing with that one three one, like that's like all I remember is like Martin St. Louis sitting at the blue line in the in the playoffs in the early two thousands, waiting for the Flyers to take the puck up the ice, and they just chose not to, like they'll do that they're going to clog the neutral zone they're going to play physical and they're going to beat each other up and then you get to the western conference and you got teams like vegas who are high flying and physical yeah that go go type offense and then arizona or not arizona colorado's the same way and then dallas is a heavy hard hitting team like the blues which is kind of a mix like it's just the, the high flying offense other than the devils and the Eastern conference like i don't i don't see another team that's like that yeah i'm looking at this even strict offensive zone time list top 10 the only is the only Nashville, Vegas, and Calgary. So it's like six and four, 60 40 in terms of uh, percentage of time spent in the offensive zone. But the number one team is Carolina. Number two is the Rangers. The Maple Leafs are five. Penguins are eight. Flyers are nine. And Panthers are 10. Right. They don't have that back and forth wide no. open play style like the Western Conference. It's no, all no. rugged, hard mm-hmm. in the corners, pucks in deep, four check, and get back and play hard. Like that hard to play against play style is not a thing in in that sorry i mean it is a thing in the western Conference, but it's a different way of doing it it's it you there's more threats i think there's more there's more odd man rushes in the west oh yeah 100 percent. i think i think i just think the way the western conference is laid out i just think it's more i mean i'm surprised colorado gets away with it given the elevation mm-hmm. but you know i thought they would probably play more of a eastern conference style but you know truthfully it's just it's the Eastern Conference is just so brutal that I feel that the Western Conference has an advantage when it comes to a seven game series and who's going to be fresher at the end. And like you said before, it's for the cup at that point. Like mm-hmm. they don't have to face the Lightning or the Leafs, excuse me, in, in, in any of the early playoff rounds. Like Vegas played 
uh, Dallas in the conference finals. They played Seattle in the second round. And Edmonton, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Dallas. Right. Like Edmonton's high flying. We know that. Winnipeg is probably, you know, neutral. Winnipeg's Winnipeg neutral, right? And I Dallas. think that was a pure skill thing. And Dallas was a tough matchup, mm-hmm. but they couldn't win in overtime. Yeah. So it, it's it's an interesting look. And I think it's something that we should keep an eye on here on the neutral zone, uh, that offensive zone time. I think that's something that kind of flies on the radar. And, and as media members, we get access to those stats like that. Uh, I'm sure you can find them on your own, but it's just a little easier for us to find. A, they can now. Little, yes, they can now with that that new uh, edge. NHL, it's a little NHL edge. It's really cool. I was looking into it mm-hmm. today. Uh, uh, I know our colleague Jeff Patterson, the Vancouver Canucks, he said in our in our giant Slack channel uh, uh, about you know a way he wish he could sort it as like top players for a team instead of just overall team and player by player. Because I want to see like let me just see the top five fastest players on the team instead of having to click through every guy and the site's new, a little mm-hmm. slow. But I think that's really cool what they did and. I don't know if you've seen up close. I know you have, but if for fans watching and listening, there's that little chip in the left shoulder, I believe, right on the back, mm-hmm. right on the, the back shoulder. And that tracks all the players. And I know mm-hmm. some teams like the Sharks are posting on the Jumbotron, like fastest speed from the game. There's guys time on ice and it will change and show you who's on. And that's all stuff that's now readily available to the public. Yeah. That's really cool. It's cool. I've seen the tracker. I've seen them take it out and put it into charger. And it's, it's a cool, it's a cool device. The NFL, I think every league except the NBA and MLB needs trackers. Just yeah, and for metrics sorry, purposes, <laughs> for metrics purposes. And here's the thing, like we saw Jacob Truba pull a puck off a line like soccer has goal line technology and it baffles me like sports, like in football and hockey, like you don't have that ability to create that plane, right? Did the puck completely cross and ha- like there's, you know how fast the shot, the puck is shot because of a chip in the puck, but you can't tell, you can't put a chip in the post or, or anywhere where you already have cameras up top, like to say to puck cross the line and have a buzz. Like, how is it like, that's, that's, that's for another video. But to me, it's like, you're underutilizing that technology that's been available for you. I mean, look at tennis. Like you could see the exact shadow of where it bounced to see if it was in or out on a challenge. But yet in hockey, you have to review it and you have to use your eyeballs, which is fine. It's usually good, but there's always the instances. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, and you could comment them if you'd like, but that's my thought with the whole goal line technology. Thing. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I'm just like the first down line should literally be a technology instead of using these chains. We we saw it yesterday with Sean McVay. Like that wasn't a first down for Pittsburgh, like mm-hmm. at all. Um, but you know, that's some part of it. Human error is fun. Look at baseball, right? Umpires are missing balls and strikes left and right. Oh, that's gonna uh, change soon. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I'm very excited for it. Even as a former umpire, like I'm excited for it. I kind of like the the balls and strikes where you got the human element, and then a player can challenge. I think that aspect, the challenge element, just, yeah, that's a good, yeah, bet. rather than just fully, you know, automated. I mm-hmm. think human element is fun because if if a player thinks a ball is a strike and the umpire calls it a strike, then he's not going to challenge it. Pitcher still has that chance to kind of grab that advantage. But I digress. Let's bring it back into hockey and the Sharks. Look, you have any updates? Petrangelo, we know, is skating. But give us some of the, the early season storylines other than the record from Vegas. And I'll give you mine for the Sharks afterwards. Well, early season, I mean, Petrangelo is skating. He's in the red non-contact. Non-contact. He should be back soon. I think the, I think it was he. was a scary injury. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say that, like, I don't think it was just the stitches. I think it's a, that's a 90 mile an hour shot coming at your head. So it's, um you know, it wouldn't surprise me if that was a concussion in a situation. Um, storylines for Vegas is, you know. They got good goaltending already from early on. Yeah, I mean, 
that Logan Thompson save was insane. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing, is that they've gotten good goaltending, and Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill as a tandem have looked really good, I think. That's storyline, and the defense hasn't even really blocked a lot of shots. And they're not healthy either. No. Petrangelo, White Cloud, and... And, and Martinez uh, just came back. Yeah. Martinez just got back, so they just... And then another thing is that Jack Eichel is going to be a point-per-game player, which is what people expected from him when he was first drafted by Buffalo, who I have a vendetta against now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Jack Eichel is now proving to be the player that Buffalo drafted, and I think it took, A, the weight of a city expectations off him, and the right yeah. coach. I think yeah. Bruce Cassidy has unlocked a lot of Jack Eichel's potential yeah. on both sides of the ice, and you know, health right now is a very good thing for Vegas. And it's and it's very it's 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 one of those things where you look at it from the perspective that Vegas right now is playing well, but they're also haven't been in a position where they haven't been in adversity in nearly eight months. I mean they never faced an elimination game in the playoffs. Nope. And they're six and oh. Like- they're six and zero, and yeah, so it's crazy. It's crazy to see their success and, you know, their biggest thing is injuries. And, and I will say this in using NHL edge, I believe the sharks were like the 91st or 92nd, maybe even 93rd percentile in terms of like shot speed. Like the sharks have some guys who can shoot the puck. Jan Ruda has one of the hardest shots this season at 100.11 miles an hour. Uh, and that NHL edge, I looking into it today, it's poking around today. It's a really cool thing. As for the Sharks, the storylines are not so positive of, well, ah, they haven't faced adversity. No, they're facing a lot of it. Mm-hmm. They miss a lot of, they miss a lot more of Logan Couture than I was expecting. Like, they just, it's not that they seem lost without him, but they, he just kind of, he's the guy that they could look to and he's showing why he wears that C. And Ferraro and, and Hurdle do deserve those assistant, those alternate captains, but they really miss Logan Couture a lot more than I was expecting. Uh, the other thing is obviously goaltending has been solid. Mackenzie Blackwood is is seems to be if he can stay healthy this year, the guy for the Sharks. Um, and then the other the other part, and it's not so you know for Sharks fans, it it it, it pains them to hear this and say it, and it and it, you know, Mark Edward Vlasic, he just seems like he's fallen off a cliff so far. He was benched in his last game against Nashville, played just six oh nine uh and, and didn't play the last 903 the second period and he didn't play it all of the entire third uh and 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 he did deal with an injury so maybe that was the thought process before but he played a whole game on it and Quinn confirmed it was a benching after the game so look it, he he has been like he's always been declining and not great but he's been like you know you can plug and play he, he's gonna hurt you a little like a jack johnson type bad like mm. eh, it's not great this year it's been like he's he's just hurting the team like and a team that's young and needs some sort of success, he's bringing them way further down than they need to be. And it's unfortunate because he, I think he's a guy who could get his number retired by the, by the team. He's that beloved, but you know, that contract situation is just brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Yeah. And he's, and he's not playing well, which makes it worse. It's playing even so like, I mean, he hasn't played well last year, but he's playing even worse than playing bad. Like that's that I'm trying to like mm-hmm. emphasize, like he's really been not good. And it's and it's hard to see. And guys like Nikita Ahochuk, who's very close to returning, Ty Emerson, who just made his NHL debut, right? You got Henry Thrawn and Shakir Mukamadoulin in the minors, right? Guys are coming, but he's still got a spot locked up on this NHL roster unless something gives for another, you know, two plus seasons, right? This season and the next two after this. You can't waive him because of 
his no move clause is no trade clause. I don't think he has any trade value whatsoever. And he has to submit a three team trade list. Like you're kind of screwed. And yeah. you know, I hate to say it with Tomas Hurdle, the guy turns 30 next month and has seven years left on his contract. That's same thing waiting to happen. Yeah. And, 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 and but you know, I will say this about the sharks. They're not as bad as Edmonton and giving out contracts to underperforming players. Yep. <laughs> well, Kevin LeBanc was the one that we can point out, but he's been good this season. Yeah. But he hasn't, he hasn't shown up on the scoreboard, but I've really liked his plays. He's been physical, aggressive. He looks like he's got a chip on his shoulder. And he looks really good. And no, the Sharks didn't even come close to waving him. That was never talked about. That reversed course that Frank Cervelli said is not a thing. They didn't even think about it. There was no discussion. He was never getting waved and there was never a reversal of course. I could confirm that. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news from, from Max here. Now, I remember that day. I was like, he's not being waved. I mean, no, I, I walked in. There was like a visible upsetness. Like that was even a thing. Like people were like, no, no. Sharks PR told me straight up that Frank Saravalli in both his tweets about possibly getting waived and the, the reversal, of course, had quote, no merit. Just tell, like, I wonder how our colleagues get their sources sometimes. You know, I'm working on it. Just got to keep talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I work with the Kremlin in Vegas, so <laughs> uh, not, nothing comes out of Vegas that. Nothing comes out of Vegas without. No, they they really hold a lot of stuff in. So I mm -hmm. applaud you for any information you get out of them. Oh yeah, and I, I think I believe it or not, I think most of the time when whenever Pierre LeBron breaks something about Vegas, it's the other team that breaks it. <laughs> it's not. It's, <laughs> I don't think it comes from. I don't think it comes directly from Vegas. <laughs> That's just funny. Uh, look, Paul, we're getting towards the end of it here. You have some stuff planned for this week. We're kind of getting to a rhythm. Talk about some of your latest articles if you like it. You know, plug your stuff. Let, we're growing a following here on the Neutral Zone. Well, you know, truthfully, like this week is um, we're looking at we're looking at the two games. Obviously, we got we got um we got Pitt, Philadelphia tomorrow and Connor Bedard coming in on Friday. So I find we finally get to see. So I get to see Connor Bedard, and we get to and the media here gets to ask Bruce Cassidy about his thoughts on seeing Connor Bedard the first time and what he expects from him the second time. Nice. So we get this. We I'll I'll probably post something on Dad later this week about the Bedard show. Finally, he doesn't get enough media. Not at all. No, not at all. But you know. Uh, I want to look at some numbers on Edge and kind of do some yeah. things on that because the Edge is fun. Edge is fun. That's the that's it's the cool thing fun. about NHL Edge. It's fun. So you know, it's just, interesting and fun, and that's what the NHL needs. Yeah, it is. And then I'll look at some things there, and we'll see what comes out of the games this week. I mean, next week's a like next Vegas schedule is going to pick up here, and it's going to be mm -hmm. it's going to be very interesting. I got, I got Colorado next week. That's going to be a great matchup, and I can't wait to watch it. Oh, Look, no, Vegas and, and Dallas was a great game, and I can only imagine Colorado's high flying right now. They're mm -hmm. playing real well. They are. They are. What about well, you? What do you got? Uh, for me, you know, I, I hope I haven't been too negative for the people that I've been reading. Look, I did a prospects check-in today. Will Smith is, is leading BC in points. Quentin Musty's been good. I mentioned Casper Haltonen. Shakir Mukamadulin has been good. Look, as as bad as the Sharks are right now, the future's coming. And, and, and that's what we got to hold on to. And it sucks losing right now, but, you know, we've talked about this in the past. If you're in the middle, you kind of don't get many headlines. But if you're at the bottom, like, hey, you, you get some headlines. So, look, the Sharks are an interesting team to watch this year because their opponents are going to play really well against them. And it's going to be fun to watch those games because of the opponent. And the Sharks are going to be able to hang with them and they'll have their spurts. They'll get hot. They'll be like the Oakland A's this year. Everybody kind of knows they're going to be bad, but they'll have their spurts where they look good and everybody will start cheering for them again. But mm -hmm. it'll be fun. You know, obviously you can check out all of Paul's stuff at THN.com slash 
Vegas minus THN.com slash San Jose. Paul, plug your plug your stuff, your socials, whatever you want. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter or X, whatever you call it these days, at Paul Delos underscore. And uh thanks for reading, guys. Yeah, for sure. You grab me at real underscore max underscore miller on X formerly Twitter, uh, as the emails say, and then uh on Instagram at THN Max Miller. Look, Paul. I appreciate you adjusting with our schedules and I hope Napa treated you well and you got some good wine. I but did. We're back on the grind. We're back on the grind and 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 uh it'll be a fun week. Let's check out some edge. We'll reconvene. You and I will talk throughout the week and I hope you win some money with the the sharks after you bet on them. I mean, because I'm betting on against Florida like. tomorrow. Oh man. Well, we'll take right a look now. At those lines. You're always gonna do it right now, ladies and gentlemen. We'll do it right All now. Right. All right. <laughs> I wish you luck, Paul. Thanks. For Paul De Los Santos, I'm Max Miller. Check us out, the hockey news. Check out the uh, magazine, THN.com slash free. And we'll see you guys next week here on the Neutral Zone.